good morning, North Shore. How are you? Uh, I am waiting to be able to say happy summer. Okay, so we're going to hold off on that. I was at the Aqua Sox game last night. Um, it was funny. And the sun popped out. And you can hear just a murmur about the crowd. And the uh, PA announcer said, folks, don't wear that thing uh, in the sky. That's the sun. You know, it's just so fitting to where we're at. But it is good to see your shining faces today. Uh, I am lead pastor Scott Harris. And my name is Damian Thompson, and I oversee uh, outreach and online and also a brand new ministry Scott doesn't even know about. We have an NBA ministry celebrating the Golden State Warriors as 2022 <laughs> champions. That's not true. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be here with you today. <laughs> uh, we still have a, a ministry mourning the Sonics leaving. That's right, for us Washingtonians. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, good, and I want to say welcome to those online. Uh, we're starting a new series today uh, called Financial Freedom. Uh, just finished up Ephesians, and if you, um, hopefully you got to hear that. If you didn't, uh, it was just an amazing series, and one of those series you want to go back to. Just a lot of powerful, great messages uh, and timeless truths from God's Word. You know, but as we step into this series, you know, there is a financial a warning light that is going off. You know, I see it everywhere I look. I hear about it. You know, I, Dean, I don't know if you're kind of picking up these warning lights and these signs about finances right now. Oh, boy, let me tell you. Um, and you guys all probably all feel this as well. We're feeling it when it comes to food. We're definitely feeling it in housing. We're feeling it when it fuel, gas for our cars. I mean, for the first time, he just said it, summer's coming, and for the first time, a lot of us are looking forward to getting out and going, to go see, to go spend time in places, to go, and now we're having to sit down and do math we have never had to do before, of how much is it going to cost to drive someplace, fly someplace, where it's like, I don't know, we have to have, make a business decision right here on whether or not, so we are all feeling, feeling that right now. Absolutely. Um, I have had more conversations in the last few months about um, how large somebody's fuel tanks are, you know, because everybody's thinking going Ooh. to the gas station now. It's like, oh, so, I mean, Ooh. and there's a lot. I know, right? You've got, uh, you've got a big one. <laughs> I got a Suburban. Oh, boy, oh, yeah. 36 gallons. Uh, <sighs> I know. I know, yeah. I saw Pray this meme me. that said, uh, it said, I just got approved for the loan. Now I can go fill up my tank. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we say that kind of laughing, but you all feel it, right? Um, and as we look at our um, society, listen to the news, read stuff, go about life, you see this financial crisis. Uh, but the church, what I've been seeing and observing is it is finding its way into the church. Um, you know, I meet with a group of pastors from kind of all over the country, from Texas all the way into California and different states. And so we meet, and there's um, this, this um, theme that's been coming up is just uh, the finances in the church as far as giving severely dropped, uh, kind of paralleling this uh, crisis in our culture. And as we talk about this and look at this, you know, our church as well, right? I mean, our giving has dropped 8.5%. You know, you add that to a 6% increase in inflation. That was just, I've heard it's gone higher than that. You know, then all of us know, you know, the hit of COVID. You know, it's, it's, it's a big hit. And so what to do and just praying over that. And, you know, for, for me, you know, uh, what I want, uh, what God wants. 
you know, I'm not a fundraiser. It's not my thing. I'm a pastor and a shepherd. I want to point to Jesus and what God's word says and then receive and accept uh, whatever he has. And so what, what is the right thing to do? Go to God. God, what do you say about this? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to step into this series of, of financial freedom because, you know, what does God want for us? He wants financial freedom. And so we'll just go to the word, look at this, and accept this. But I want to encourage you how to listen to this series, okay? How to listen to this series. It's this. Um, you might be somebody that God is just... Um, uh, giving you a victory in, in, in your finances, right? I want you to be encouraged, you know? And so you, you can actually physically do this, but maybe mentally, if there's something you're finding, you just, just go, right? I mean, say, God's working with you. It's okay, right? Uh, it's good. Be encouraged. And I'll tell you, as we're, you know, walking through this, you know, financial series and, or, and crisis, what I've seen, and I don't know who gives what, just so you know, I, I don't want to know. Right, because you know, I want I love everybody. Want to minister, but I do know that you know there's some people have been faithful, and there's some people that have been given um, you know large gifts periodically, right? And you know, so these numbers I gave you for our church would be worse, and um, if it wasn't for that, so praise God for that. You know, for you guys, it's making a huge difference, and we're kind of not in the same boat. Some of these other churches, I mean, some of these churches I talk to are literally talking about closing their doors. Mm. You know, that's how severe it's hit them, right? You know, that is not the state we're in. Um, so be encouraged. Uh, maybe learn, you know, something. I didn't know that, you know, and let God's word teach you, right? Let it teach you, right? And, and respond to him. Um, you know, I'd possibly be challenged, you know, but let God do that. You know, my heart is to be your pastor, your friend, you know, and so the series of actually, you know, I'll be team teaching with uh, different people because I want it to be feel like more of a conversation. You know, I shared with that. I don't want to get up here and yeah. do this, right? I want to do this. It's us. We're family, right? As you would do with your family, you slide up to the table and say, okay, kids, here we go. Right? You have a you, conversation. So that's the vibe I want. Let's just, as a family, talk. And guess what? I'll tell you this. Whatever God receives and gives us, if it's one penny, we'll receive it with glad hearts. Amen. Right? Because we love him, trust his wisdom and everything, and we receive it. So this series is not ever, ever a complaint toward God. We receive it, whatever it is, and we march on, and uh, his work will be done. Right? And so, anyway, so we're excited about this. So if you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. Um, we're going to get started here. Uh, I would like to start with prayer. And when you get your Bibles, we're going to be kind of all over. Today is this first message is, is called the, the, the big picture. Just looking at the big picture here, we're going to start in First Chronicles, which is in the Old Testament. So if you would bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father God, we love you and you're good. Uh, we trust you in all things. Um, and in fact, sometimes when you kind of go through uh, times of challenge, it's an opportunity to really have clarity of heart. And that's what I want. I want it for me, my family, uh, my church family, a clarity of heart. Uh, we want you, Jesus. We want our eyes on you. So I just pray that you would um, be with us now as we step into your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, so as we step into uh, this series called Financial Freedom, and, and really the goal is you're going to see that's what God wants. When so, someone says, what does God want with our finances? He wants financial freedom. Right? He does not want us to be pulled under by any crisis around us. 
He wants us to be free. You know, so as we think about that term, financial freedom, you know, we ask ourselves that first question, what does it mean to be financial free? What, what does that mean? Uh, and I want to start with this. I believe this, that it means to have an undivided heart. To have an undivided heart. And, and track with me here. Go back to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments, okay? Uh, when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments to uh, the Hebrew people that are going to travel to the Promised Land and establish, you know, the Jewish nation of Israel, gives the Ten Commandments and says, here's how I want my people to le- live. Command one, have no other gods before me. To have no other gods before me. Command two, have no idols. Bow down to nothing uh, other than God. So you see he starts off right away. Only me. Have an undivided heart. In fact, it says in that second commandment that our God is a jealous God. Isn't that beautiful? We have this God that is jealous for heart. He wants all of our affection, all of our attention. And then Jesus in the New Testament comes in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says this. Uh, He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Because you'll love one and you'll hate the other. You'll be devoted to one, he says, uh, and you'll detest the other. You cannot serve God and money. What he's saying is you cannot have an undivided heart. It's impossible. Because as that heart divides, it starts being drawn to something. And it will worship that something. Um, And Jesus says, you can't have that. It's why um, money is the second most common topic in the scriptures. Right? Uh, Churches get accused all the time. And it's, you know, if you hear any nervousness in me, every pastor feels this when they talk about money before the church. Because we know the accusation. All the church talks about is money. Right? You hear that? How many of you said that? <laughs> right? Uh, we all have, right? So it's, um, uh, why would, you know, I don't think that's true. Just so I think we're, most of us are kind of cowards, right, when it comes to it up here. Just so you know, that's probably the more truth. Um, but the thing about it is Scripture talks so much about it. Um, so we should talk about it because money is an amazing bait for the enemy, Right? For Satan, we talked about Satan just a few weeks back. Uh, wants to drag us away and destroy the work of God. And money is amazing bait for him. Right? It's bait. He casts that out there. It attracts our eyes, uh, our flesh, and our pride uh, becomes sin. And destroys the work of God. Destroys us. Divides our heart. That's why it talks so much about it. Like I said, I think there's over 2,000 verses on money in Scripture. 500 combined on prayer and faith. Are prayer and faith important? Yeah. yeah, yeah eh? So is money important? Yeah. And it's not a money issue. What is it? It's a heart issue. That's what God cares about. That's what he cares about. It's a heart. And Jesus says there's just a little revelation we can have in Matthew 6, verse 21, which is really kind of our theme verse for this whole series. Um, Where your treasure is, you all know that, there's where your heart will be. You know, what you value, what you hold in the highest regards when it uses that word treasure, 
You know, because things that uh, we like, we get interested in. And we all have things we like and we get interested in. It's good. But that which we love, right, gets our heart. And that's why Jesus talked about financial freedom is having a heart that's fully focused on God to fully receive all that God has and nothing cuts into it. It is tuned in to God completely. So financial freedom is a heart that is undivided. I'm curious of your thoughts. Man, you know, Scott, an undivided heart is, I love the way you put that. It's so necessary for us. And, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for Jesus making that distinction so clear um, because he knew then and he knows now what our capacity is for having dual masters. He also understood um, our capacity, what our capacity would be for looking toward the wrong thing for our provision and for our guidance. And that's why he calls us to have this, an expectant heart, an expectant heart. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about a heart that has anticipation for what it is that God is going to do. See, one of the things that that I've been learning, and I don't know if this is true for you, uh, Scott, but in social media, I've learned this. That if you have a video that either has a child or a dog in it, you know what you're going to do? You're going to watch it because you want to see what that child and you want to see what that dog is going to do. Now, if you're sitting there going, no, I don't, you're lying. Yeah, you do. You watch it. And right now my algorithm is just full of dog videos because I watch just a couple of them. I send a couple of them to Sister Brittany back there, and we laugh about the whole dog thing, and now all I get is dog videos. You can't always tell when a child is expected for something. That, that isn't always clear. But when it comes to a dog being excited or is an expectation of something, what do you see him do? That dog, that, that tail just gets to wagon, boy. It's just back and forth. If it's a big tail, it turns into a lethal weapon, just going back and forth. And if it's a little one, you know, you get the little nub on the back doing that. But you know, you know that that dog is expecting that something is about to happen. Now, we don't have tails that wag, hallelujah. But we do have hearts and minds that were made by God not to be left empty, but to be filled and not to be filled by this world, but to be filled by him. See, John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he said this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this confidence, this is not confidence like the world says confidence is. It feels like the world has kind of taken confidence, kind of co-opted it into something it was never meant to be. Because, see, the world says you need to have confidence in you. You need to have confidence in your ability. You need to have confidence in, in, in your thoughts and your desires. That's not what God made us to do. God made us to have our confidence in him. And if we're going to talk about real life confidence, okay? So this isn't stuff that gets like, I'm going to create a story here. When you get into a car and you're not the one driving, and the person who is behind the wheel, and let's just say that Scott, as we are approaching the stoplight, I have confidence that Scott not only sees the red light, but he's going to stop the car. 
But the closer we get to that red light and he's not stopping, my confidence begins to plunge quickly. As a matter of fact, I start using my right foot to press that imaginary brake that's on my side that doesn't exist. But see, I don't do that and I don't move and I don't get anxious if I have confidence. When you step onto an airplane, you walk down the gangplank with every, the big gaggle of folks and you step onto a plane and the flight attendants are there and they say good morning or good afternoon or welcome, that we're glad you're flying with us. How many of us take a left turn into the cockpit to have a conversation with the pilot? No, we don't. We hang a right and then we start the journey. Oh, boy, I wonder how many folks are on this plane. I hope there isn't a seat, but, you know, the seat is open between us. Is this food on this flight? Man, if there is a baby on here that's cranky, oh, gosh, I hope we don't hit into any turbulence. But we don't ask the question, is the pilot any good? Because we have confidence that they are. And that is the exact same confidence that God seeks from us. See, our confidence in God gives us an expectant heart. Our confidence to God matters to God. Because when we ask, he hears us. And this confidence in him produces a freedom to know that our Father is present and ready to take care of all things according to his will in our lives. And that includes our finances. This is a truth, church. It's a biblical truth that we can stand on. Scott, what are, what are some other biblical truths that we have? Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. Uh, I love that. Uh, yeah, we're just going to look at some, some, some big picture things in this first week. So uh, I told you to go to First Chronicles uh, I'll go to chapter 29, 29, and we're going to look at a, a first big picture thing, and that's this, that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Let me read First uh, Chronicles 29, starting in verse 10, and a little context here. This is King David, and King David is uh, called all Israel together, this united kingdom, and he's going to pray over it, um, and he's at the end of his life. His son Solomon will be king, and his son Solomon is going to uh, build uh, the temple, which, uh, you know, every Jew, Jewish leader, that's what they want, to, to build a temple because it's the centerpiece of their worship, right? And David's, you know, going to be able to collect all the material but not build it. His son will. And so he has called the troops together, everybody, um, and he is speaking to them. And in that speech, he prays over them. And what you're going to see is he talks about um, how everything belongs to God. First okay, uh, Chronicles 29, start in verse 10, and I'll go to 14. Let me read it. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly 
for all things come from you and of your own we have we given you. So 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. So what David is acknowledging there, he is acknowledging that God, everything belongs to you. It is all yours. And it, just take yourself, who is saying this? It is the greatest king, uh, second to Jesus only, that's walked this earth. He's done amazing things, David. You know, this poor shepherd boy who rose up uh, to the kingdom, a divided kingdom, uh, united it. I mean, you can only imagine the wealth that he had, the power he had, you know, the homes he had, these amazing things. And as he looks at that, he probably could have said, <clears throat> you see what I did? Look what I did. But he says, when I look at it all, here's my message to you. Know that everything belongs to him. Acknowledge everything belongs to God. And then in verse 12, he kind of shows us how this leads to freedom. The freedom that we have, that we're given when we acknowledge everything belongs to God. So look closer at verse 12. It says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give us strength to all. So the first thing you see there, it says, both riches and honor come from you. What he's saying is, is everything we have is a gift that we get to receive. And what you think in terms of a gift that you receive, um, you uh, appreciate it, right? You are grateful for what you've been given. Your heart is glad. And then you accept that gift as it's giving to you, right? Now, I'm sure there's some exceptions to kids. But when you give a gift at Christmas, they don't open up and say, okay, um, but could I have gotten a bigger one? Uh, you know, you give somebody a gift, at, you know, I've been giving graduation gifts. Hey, thanks for this money, but could I get just a little bit more? You know, you know every kid has said thank you. I appreciate that. They're grateful, and they receive this gift just as it's been given. And it creates a freedom right, to receive. Next thing we see, he says, you rule over all of it. And I put my notes, uh, there's a freedom to, to relax because God governs over it all. You don't have to sweat it. He has set the ground rules. Um, he's put it all there. He holds it all together. You can just chill out. I mean, when it talks about money, it, there's a word for the day. Uh, and I'm going to raise my hand. I've sinned. I struggle. I sweat it. I got nervous. I get nervous, right? I try to figure out, am I ever going to be able to retire? I generally say no, right? Like many of you. But it's God that rules over all. And he sets how we're to interact with it and stuff. It cre creates freedom for us. Second thing is, it says, in your hand are power and might. Power and might. Um, and I say it's the freedom to release this. Because if it's in his hand, our finances, everything we have, uh, and we release his power over our finances, just imagine what he can do. Oh, you might be great financially, you know, or you might be horrible. Imagine if God had it and you let his power work. 
Well, he might blow your mind. You get to relax. Okay, God, uh, I'm going to release to you. I'm going to trust your power in my finances. And the last thing here is just to be, to be able to reflect God's glory. He says that he is going to take the resources, his resources, that you know, we in a sense return to him, and he's going to do great work in it. He's going to do a better work than you can do. He's going to do a better work than you can do. When we acknowledge it's all his, and we appreciate that, release it, uh, receive it, he says, I'll, I'm going to do a great work, a bigger work, a better work. And I tell you, when we get to that place, um, it leads to freedom for us. Financial freedom. Because I was just talking to someone the other day. You know what the number one cause of divorce they say? Money issues. You know how powerful not being financially free is? It can destroy marriages. Right? So the thing about this is David's saying as he's praying and leaving this legacy, acknowledge that everything is God and it's going to lead you to a place of freedom. So, Damien, uh, when we get to a place that, uh, what are we supposed to do? What, 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 do you do? what do we do next after we acknowledge it's all his? That's a good question, brother. Well, Scott, I, I actually, I believe that scripture helps us understand this mystery. Track with me. If he is the one who owns everything, then we own nothing. Let me just let that sink in for just a second. Is that, is that a first-time revelation for us maybe today? Because, see, it's, it, it, it seems like it's pretty simple because if he owns it all, then what do we own? And the answer is nothing. But when we're ready to step into this biblical truth, as Scott just explained for us, then we're ready to step into this next biblical truth, and that is stewardship is our command. Stewardship. So what is stewardship? Well, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, this is right off the web, defines it as the office, duties, and obligations of a steward. Uh, that's, that's pretty sterile right there. I mean, that's, that just sounds like, hear ye, hear ye, you know. But I love the second definition that they wrote, and it's this. The careful and responsible management of, someone, of something placed in one's care. Let me repeat that. The careful and responsible management of something placed in one's care. That just hits different, doesn't it? And with that definition laid out, let's listen to what Jesus had to say about stewardship. So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 14 through 30. Now here's the deal. I'm not going to read the whole story. This is actually the parable of the talents, okay? And there's a good possibility that most of you have heard this before. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to practice something that we do in relational discipleship called storying, where I'm actually going to give you my version of it. Here's what's going to be cool. If you have it pulled up in front of you right there, you're going to be able to check me on whether or not I got it right. So if I miss something real bad or real important, you come find me after the service and we'll talk, all right? Because I want to make sure I get this right. So here's the deal. 
Bible. So Jesus um, tells the story of a master who's getting ready to go on a journey. It says it's a long journey. And he calls three of his servants together. To one servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two talents. And to the last one, he gives one talent. Now, we're not talking about talents as an ability to be a ballerina or something like that. We're talking about money. We're talking about wealth here. Uh, one talent, and this is what I, 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 I tried to read up on this. One talent um, gave a person the ability to pay 100 day workers for a year. So please understand that this was not some light thing that the master did, okay? So it says he goes ahead, he, he gives this to them, and then it says the master leaves. So the servant who had five talents immediately goes out, turns the five talents into ten. Second one who got two talents immediately goes out, turns those talents into four talents. The last servant kind of got gripped by fear. Decided to go ahead and take that talent and go dig a hole and put it in the ground to keep it safe. Master returns. He comes to his first servant, the one he gave five. What'd you do? He says, Master, you gave me five. I got ten for you. Master goes, sweet. All right. I, I, I put you over a little. Now I'm going to put you over a lot. Comes to the second one. What'd you do? You gave me two. Now I got four for you. Master goes, sweet. All right, I'll put you over a little. I'm going to put you over a lot. Turns to the third servant. What you got? He says, Master, and you, you can already feel that he's posturing himself here for an explanation, which you know if you lean with an explanation, that's not good. He says, Master, I know you to be a hard and shrewd man. I know you to be someone who reaps where he does not sow. And so with that in mind, I went ahead and I dug a hole and I put your talent in here to keep it safe. So here is the talent that you gave me. And the master says, hey, hold on, you knew I was this kind of man? You knew I'm someone who reaps where I don't sow? You could have at least taken it and went and stuck it in the bank, so I could have got some interest. And let's just say from this point forward, what happens to that servant isn't good, okay? So a couple things before I get to our takeaways on this. I just want to point out is, is that... Scripture says that he, uh, that the, the, the master, he entrusted his property to his servants. And the reason why I'm, I want to focus on that word entrusted, because it comes from the Greek, the Greek word parodidomai, which means to give, to hand over. So in other words, it was in the master's hands and now he had placed it in his servant's hands. Okay. And the second thing that I think is really important for us, and it's this. The master didn't give the same amounts to each servant, okay? So in other words, this wasn't about equal distribution or fairness. He gave, if I, I want to make sure I went back and got this, it says that he gave each according to their ability. So there's a reason why the five, the one that got five got five, and the one that got two got two, and the one who gave, got one got one. When it comes to stewardship, church, here's the two things I want you to take away. The first word I want you to write in, and it's not in there. You won't find it on the screens, is the word lordship. If you could write down the word lordship. See, David, in Psalm 89, verse 11, he says this, The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and all that is in it 
you have founded them. Now, you notice that David is not making a suggestion. He's very declarative right here. But do we get this? See, you can hear David's words. We can even sing those words. Because, church, if he is Lord and we have been called to be stewards of what's actually his, then doesn't that help us make, help make us free from the bondage, the worry, the anxiety of money? Because it's his. It's his. And all we have to do is just keep that part straight. See, it's his and he is Lord. And the second word I want you to write down is this, obedience. Obedience, not a popular word today in our culture, in our society. Isn't it interesting that without saying a word to his servants or giving a single instruction about what to do with his property, that the servants knew they were supposed to do something with his property. It's almost as if they had watched their master and knew what he did and they saw him do it over and over and over and over again. This is such an interesting, and I just love when the Lord just lifts something, especially when it comes from the words of Jesus out, and all of a sudden I stop and I go, oh. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does Likewise. Mm. So these servants, they knew what their master would do with these talents. And they knew what he expected of them. And their obedience to that expectation was key to their success or their failure. So if as stewards, his lordship is clear and his obedience to him is understood, how much does that free us from the burden of our finances? Because it's his, and he is Lord. Scott, could you share with us maybe what is it that this frees us to actually go and do? Yeah, it's good, good. Thank you for that stewardship, right? Once we acknowledge it's all his, and then our privilege, our honor to be stewards, right? Then, you know, what is, how do we know if we're doing that well? Um, giving uh, is an indicator of, the, of freedom. And I'm just, we're gonna teach a little bit more on that uh, specifically in the weeks coming up, but I just wanna touch on it, okay? Uh, that, you know, giving is an indicator of how tuned in our hearts are to God, right? It's why we have giving uh, part of the worship service because it's an act of worship. And so we'll get deeper into this later, but in the Old Testament, you see in Malachi chapter three, okay, uh, verses I think six through uh, 12 in there, um, you know, the prophet Malachi is, uh, you know, challenging uh, the Jewish people to say, hey, um, 
you are to are not holding up the uh, statutes, uh, what God's called you to do in giving. It's actually robbing from God. You're not bringing it to the storehouse. Uh, and so we see he, in their worship, what they were called to do was to give, and it was connected to uh, detaching, having a divided heart away from God. Because he says, I want to bless you. Because remember, when we rob from God, um, what God is doing is he knows who he is. He knows what he has for you, what he wants to do in and through you. And it's why he's jealous. And no, this is the best place to be. Come back to me. So you can be uh, who I created you to be and have the experiences in life I created you to be and the work that I have for you. Don't divide your heart. Stay dialed in. Stay in worship. And giving in our finances is an indicator. And we see that carry on into the New Testament in many different areas, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, you know, Paul is challenging them to, to bring their gift. They're raising some funds for helping uh, other churches out. And he says this, is bring it the first day of the week when Christians gathered to worship the resurrected Jesus, right? That's what we were doing here, right? And come bring your gift, set aside here, and then we will take it uh, out and give it. So as worship, as you come together as a community of worship, bring it there. And so we see in the Old and the New Testament, it was an act of worship. And I love this. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, and this I want to read to you because this is, you see a, a church that is in financial freedom. They are dialed into God. They are in a crisis. They have a crisis. Uh, and you're going to see they have given their lives to the Lord and to the Lord's will or his work. And you see what they do. Okay, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. I'll give you just a second to turn there. Uh, I think that should be up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. You know, you can go through Malachi. I didn't read that. <laughs> we had it up there. Is that it? It starts with, we want you to know. All right, good. Here we go. You ready? We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. That's kind of North Greece, okay, just so you know. For in, listen, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty <laughs> have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Did you catch that? For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and listen, and beyond their means of their own accord. <laughs> listen to verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Because what Paul was doing is um, he was collecting offering to go down and help the persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. Okay? And so here are these churches, um, and they are as poor as poor gets. And they're hurting. It's hard out in the world around them. And you see what's happening. They're begging to be part of it. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, right? But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So what you see here is in a financial crisis, right? What did the Christian do? They were financially free. It's what God wants. 
You know, my prayer is your pastor. Uh, and I believe this is what God wants you. You know, whether the highs and lows of the culture, financially and that stuff, uh, us as Christians would be free. That we would not be linked into the world. Right? Because what happens when you do that is you get to stay focused on the Lord, your heart undivided, have everything he has for you. And then you get to see his amazing work be done. And I love this. Uh, Paul says, uh, uh, we didn't expect it. The world doesn't expect it. It expects us to travel and sink with them. But God says, no, we're doing a greater work. Uh, And that's what he wants for you. That's what I want for you. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come out here. um, And I'm going to invite you to stand up. And Damien, give us just a quick spot on, you know, um, you know, what, what do we do next? And then I want to pray over you. So if you'd stand up with me, um, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Damien, just give us a, a quick little hit on um, what next. So church, in this space, the one thing that we did not want to do is, th- this, this is not about manipulation. This is not about coercion. This is about, because to be, to be honest with you, and, and Scott was gracious in not mentioning this, but it's been... It's been almost four years since we've taught on giving because a lot of things have been happening. A lot of things have been happening since the last time we did. And some of you here have just been the most faithful givers. It is just what you do. You understand who the Lord is. You understand your role as stewards and you are just receiving that blessing of worshiping him in that way. And to you, we say thank you. For some of you, you're here this morning and you're going, wow, some of this is the first time I've heard this. Hope that you'll forgive us for maybe not getting to just talking about this part of our worship, this part of our lives as followers of Jesus. And some of you this morning might be in a space where this is, this is hard. This is a struggle. This is just uncomfortable. What we're going to do is we're going to entrust you to the same Jesus that we've entrusted ourselves. And that is we're going to set our eyes on him and him alone. So I'm just going to ask a couple questions to just give us a moment to just kind of sit in this for our hearts to just begin this journey. And the first question I want to ask you is this. Who truly owns what you have. Who truly owns what you have? You or God? the second question is this. How many masters are you trying to serve right now? How many masters are you trying to serve right now? As God said, you can only serve one. And I just want to pray for you. As I said in the beginning, um, I'm not a pitch man. I'm not a fundraiser. Uh, and I think 
like God, I don't really care about money. I care about your heart. I care about my heart. And as we talk about money, uh, we want to talk about that. And it is an indicator, God says. That's why Jesus brings it up. Um, and so uh, don't mistake the talk. Uh, it's not a dollar sign. Uh, it's a devotion sign. Right? And um, I love you. I want us to be known as a church that passionately pursues Jesus. You know, you want to go to a church that is passionate about Jesus and believes that he is the only hope for this world. Go to North Shore. Go to North Shore. Um, that's our heart. That's who we are. So, um, again, it, there's some indicators out there, um, and we just receive it as God says. I, I pray and trust that you'll be encouraged as the Lord encourages you, challenged as the Word and challenges you, and as your pastor, I'm going to pray over you and your finances. Because uh, most of you know I grew up dirt poor, right? Spent most of my career in dinky little churches that did not pay me very much money. So figuring out how to pay the light bill was a common. So I, I feel you. I love you. Don't feel judged. Don't feel judged. Feel loved. Right? Let me pray over you. Father God, uh, thank you. Jesus, thank you for being laser focused on our heart and calling us into you and doing the work on the cross to restore our heart so that we can go to you. And God, we know the enemy likes to throw lots of stumbling blocks, hurdles, to that devotion, to that place. Money's one of them. And so I pray for each person here. I pray for their finances. God, I pray you would bless them abundantly. But that blessing would come from devotion, a pure heart that wants to be all about you, passionately pursuing you, so that the world would know the hope of Jesus Christ. So if there's anyone here that's just just weeping over finances and, and afraid. I pray that you would tend to them, that you would love them, that they wouldn't feel judged, but encouraged that they have a family that wants to sit and care for them and help. God, for those that you have just uh, blessed with an understanding of this and a practice of this, may we learn from them, watching them. So give them a voice, give them encouragement right now. I know North Shore has seen and is grateful for their generosity. So I pray blessings on them. And everyone, all of us in between, God, uh, we want you. So I pray you'd meet each person, meet their needs, supply their needs. 